welcome everyone to our Sport Dog Scent Detection Podcast, hosted by Mountain Dogs and Release Canine. I'm Jill Kay from Mountain Dogs, and our co-host is Alex Woodruff from Release Canine. Together, Alex and I will share our insights and coaching tidbits for optimizing your nose work and scent work training and competition trial success. We aim to be inclusive and informative. Any dog, any handler, anywhere sniffing with your dog. Our goal is to open up your training world of possibilities with in-depth and some lighthearted conversation about the many and multiple training variables that shape our much-loved dog sport of nose work and scent work. Thanks so much for listening. Feel free to email us with your training questions or comments or offer your topics for an upcoming episode. So we wanted to, I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately and really decided that it would be so good to turn our coaching call into a podcast, get a broader audience, and then even Alex and I can bring in, we can peer pressure more people with the two of us to bring in more voices um, about nose work and scent work. Um, into the picture. So I think that'll be super fun. Uh, Canine um, Detection Collaborative is an attempt to join forces with kind of the professional world and the sport dog world in terms of scent detection. And they've got some great um, articles on or podcasts on there, guys, if you should want to jump on there and see what they have. Um, and I've been pretty impressed with their ability. I don't always agree with what everybody says. Right. But I do really like their ability to bring those different opinions to the table and the way that different approaches to scent detection work uh, can be done. So there's actually um, uh, Stacy Barnett represents the sport dog world and um, she has a very different style than than sometimes I agree with. But the topics are spot on. Um, and trying to talk about how we do and what we do in the sport dog world is still very relevant. And also then uh, they have uh, Robin Grubel who does um, FEMA. She has search and rescue dogs at a very high level, the kind of high level where you might, I don't know if she's currently doing this, but jump out of the helicopter with your dog um, and run the rubble pile. Um, and then um, Crystal Wing, who's just, really wonderful to listen to. She's got an excellent ear for listening. Um, so I, I would highly recommend checking that podcast. But after listening to that podcast and one that I do uh, for Coaching Call for Agility, um, it just seemed to me that we can really make this um, a good resource for folks in terms of finding different topics that you want to listen to. Maybe there's topics you don't want to listen to um, and just build that um that collaborative between um, sport dog nose work and scent work. And there may be some ideas that are different. Alex and I have had long conversations, as you can imagine, um, and come to a conclusion after we're all done. And we think we're saying something different that we're actually saying more alike than we are different, right? So sometimes it's semantics. Sometimes it's just the application of it, right? So that's going to kind of kind of be the format change. Um, and I'm going to switch over to Alex here in just a second so that we can find out um, a little bit more about her and her background. 
uh, for those of you who may not know it, um, and neither one of us are probably real keen on like having our credential list and going, okay, here it is. Um, but needless to say, uh, we've been, if, if you know anything about what either one of us do, we do multiple, we have multiple hats, both on the officiating hat, judge hat, the um, hosting hat, competing and teaching. So that's at least five hats right there that each of us wears um, in our relative businesses. Um, um, Alex's release canine and of course, mountain dogs for me. Um, the format challenge, I think, will be really fun. I think you'll have um, the links will be up on both Mountain Dogs and Release Canine. We'll make sure the Audible is there. The kicker is I won't really have expertise in editing. So it's going to sound more like a conversation than it is like a professional podcast, right? And I think that that has some value to it as well. So, um, and we would really, I'm really looking forward to bringing in some guest speakers very high in their expertise and um, bring to the table a level of, of great input in terms of, of nose work, where it's going, where it's been, and how we can improve with our dogs. So I'm going to turn this back over to Alex and have her jump in and tell us a little bit about um, who she is and what she's doing in Arizona and kind of maybe even a little bit about how she and I kind of became a dual force in terms of... Um, all things nose work. Alex. Well, thanks, Jill. Um, okay, where to start? Uh, I'll start with, I see a lot of friendly faces. So there's a lot of people here that I know. So I'm not going to go into great detail because I think a lot of people know. Um, but kind of the foundation of where I started, I started with scent work or nose work in 2016 when I had um, initially a reactive dog, which couldn't compete very well, but I learned that my flat coat loved it. And so I got addicted. Um, and so then I actually met Jill first at one of his her trials when I was competing with Tana. We drove up to Colorado, a friend of mine, and we went up there and I finished my NW3 Elite there and kind of got hooked onto Colorado trials because it was really fun up there compared to trying to get into California. And it's hard to get into California. Um, so I've been kind of doing NACSW that way and working that. And Tana's now summit level and I've got George going my young dog and he's NW3 level it's gonna be a fun weekend we've got Jill and I both doing NW3 competing at our trial this weekend so that's gonna be a lot of jungling uh because I do a lot of VC for Jill up there so volunteer coordinator for her end of NACSW trials um yeah so then I also here in Arizona run a lot of the AKC especially at the initial I'm trying to step away a little bit there's some awesome groups now that are taking over for AKC here in Arizona and so I've run basically every role within AKC for a trial so I've been host and I've been essentially trial chair I've been trial secretary and I'm now a judge and competitor definitely um, I've competed with both my flat coats and they've run upper levels and they're having fun with it um, and so it's important to me for the sport that we maintain um, this very open and kind of welcoming atmosphere, because it's really cool to hear that from a lot of different competitors. 
that they love scent work because, or nose work. That's the hard part is what term do we use? But um, they really love it because there's not the same ego that there might be in some other sports for dog sports. Um, and then this is normally coming from like agility groups and things like that. And so it's really kind of cool. And I really love to maintain that type of feel, that really nice supportive atmosphere. And I think that can come and this kind of the, I think, topic for this week that Jill and I were going to talk about is that open mindset so that uh, basically it doesn't matter what methods you use, doesn't matter where you come from. We're all still playing the same game we're all still going out there with our dog and the end goal is about the same we want to do well we want to figure out where all the hides are but we're having fun while doing it so it's a little bit about me um I've worn many different hats and done a lot of different roles and Jill's been really helpful and kind of helping with that part of it too because she's been around here for a little bit longer than I have so and you know a lot of that is selfish on my part right and I think people learned that really early on. I went, what do you mean we only have four trials a year? That's not enough. Three. So the emphasis is somebody needs to graduate. Somebody needs to graduate, move on up to elite so that we can start to balance our, our uh, workload again. Um, and I think Jen Fleming may beat us because she just got a second and yeah. three on Gamma and I think has a leg. So she does. She's all, all, she needs, all she needs is a leg. Leg and she goes. So we're voting for her to move on up first. And then that kind of puts us in a crunch on some jobs, but not many. So, and we have a good enough uh, relationship with most of the host team too, that will often stay together in, in Airbnbs or VRBOs. And you can imagine what those conversations are like. We don't really share. Um, there's no big secret that any one of us can tell the other one to kind of elevate your performance the next day. Um, but we talk a lot about um, our woes and how we can get better. And if anybody kind of knows my my journey, I'm not as proficient as a one, two, three, meaning get your one, get your two, get your three, get your three threes, move to a league, go to summit. Now, I'm one of those that has to do a lot more um, work than just move on up. Sometimes students like that. Sometimes students are like, you know, I don't know that I really want to study under somebody who can't be perfect. Um, but my feeling is that with nose work and scent work, it is so specific to the dog. Um, so if you can just, you know, hang with your dog, I think that's kind of where it all comes. So I did just get done. Um, and this I'm going to kind of segue right into the um, idea of growth mindset. Um, and the growth mindset is more the mindset as, and Actually, um, I really learned a lot from Alex about growth mindset and the aspect of handler uh, being patient enough to search on trial day and stay in the search as opposed to launching myself to the result. Uh, so that's kind of how I was able to apply that. But kind of more um, what we're going to talk about here is the aspect of having an open mind. Um, I just got done teaching at Pennsylvania camp for four days. Uh, that is a dogs of course uh, camp event. And mostly um, all the instructors are NACSW um, COs and or CNWIs. Matter of fact, I think we were all COs. Um, and one of the conversations we continue to have every night was avoiding the words never and avoiding the words always. And as instructors, we hear that a lot, like when we go to introduce a new concept and it's, oh, but I always run my dog on leash. I don't 
you know, I never run my dog off leash. So we might want to look at that and determine, you know, what are the underlying uh, reasons that we feel that way as a handler? Uh, because I think really our job is to admit that as a handler, we are a 24-7 trainer as well. Um, there was a whole mindset early on in, in, in ACSW anyway, and not really in them, but in the instructor pool or coaching of nose work and scent work, where we really felt like we didn't want to empower our students to become trainers because somehow we all would ruin our dogs. Somehow something would happen, whatever you were doing at home, and no one would be able to fix it. What we clearly have learned is there really is literally nothing. Ooh, did I? That's almost like an always or a never, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> kind of is. Kind of is. So they're pretty much 99.9%. .9%, I feel pretty confident with that. Whatever happens at home, um, if it goes awry and you feel that you're headed down a pathway that isn't uh, what you need or your dog needs or is supporting a, a effective and efficient search in competition, uh, you could get resources to find how, how to balance that skill set that maybe you feel may have gone awry. Alex, what more do you have to think about uh, with mindset, well, growth mindset? Growth mindset, but also you had made a point that like what people do at home. And it's funny because I just finished off. So I finished all the forums today on my odor theory class that I run at once a year. And it's basically teaching everybody how to set better hides at home mm -hmm. to train at home. Yes. <laughs> That's all that the class is. And it was really cool to watch people like embrace the concept because it's not about dog training. The whole six mm -hmm. weeks isn't about training your dog. It's about training you. And it was really cool to watch people change their mindset. It wasn't just like, how to make it harder? It was like, okay, I placed it here and this is what happened. And then what do I do from there? Which is right. the growth mindset, right? It's coming in with how can I adjust this to make it work? And if it didn't work, like it took five minutes to find one hide. Okay, what happened? Are you like trying to combine everything? And that's kind of the mindset of clumping versus splitting. Right. I think Hannah Brannigan talks about that a lot, but splitting down the behaviors and going back. Okay. What was the hard part? Was it because it was pooling and you said it like four hours ago and it's aging forever? Or was it the actual placement of the hide? And so it's kind of cool to be able to work through all of those different pieces and think of it odor wise. Um, so then like with the growth mindset aspect of it, it's like it's in every single piece. Like when you go to competition, it's really easy, especially NW3. I find like that is like, can you keep your brain together for six searches? It's hard. And I find if you can't go through a lot of mental management and like growth mindset kind of stuff, then you're going to really struggle in NW3 and get really disappointed or frustrated. Uh, and so being able to take every search as individual searches and write it down, let it go, move on. And that's the only way that you can really keep going through all of it. Otherwise you get stuck and it's really hard because in the always negative or always positive, um, you end up where there's no room for improvement because you ever think like, I can't do this or you can do this. And there's no room to actually go back and train it. There's no room to fix it. I hear this with like little dog. Well, I've got a little dog. I can't do elevated. Well, Honestly, the little dogs actually can do elevated a little bit better because they learned it from the very beginning. They had to source something on a countertop from day one. And so once they figure that out and just embrace it, we just have to teach them how to work it with essential oil. They already know how to go high. They know how to tell you about it. 
it's the big dogs when they get a five foot high that they have no clue how to do any of it. And we have to teach them a little bit more specifically. And so that's a growth mindset kind of thing. You can't just get stuck in one little groove of like, I can or I can't. Um, I call this like biases. Like people come in with a bias of like, mm-hmm. oh, my dog always gets stuck on dog pee or something like that. Well, mm-hmm. maybe their nose is down on the ground because they're dealing with convergence and they're not confident about convergence. So it's a little bit of a different kind of way of addressing something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, you know, that topic itself is so huge, right? It's everything from, and one of the points you mentioned too, was, you know, our job if first and foremost is to provide the dog with an opportunity to experience. And sometimes when our high placement sends their experience in a different direction than what maybe our training objective was, that's where we need to be able to have confidence enough to say, Ooh, that's not at all what I intended to have the, you know, happen, if you will. And I'm going to trust what my dog is showing me in terms of odor and their skill set. And then working to change your odor picture to shape that dog's skill set. So I find it really fascinating because to me, nose work is really working, um, shape, a lot of shaping. If, if we use that term from other dog behaviors, right? If we use that term. And the other thing is, you know, I read, um, so this weekend, I actually listened to Lawton, uh, one of my students uh, sent me the uh, how Stella learned to talk, right, which is the dog that was taught how to communicate through um, audio buttons, right, by a speech pathologist. And one of the points I actually wrote down and still have in my truck, written right where I can see it, is intrinsic versus extrinsic. And the intrinsic is that how do you work with your dog to build that inner drive, inner drive for the activity. So it's not just a reward at source. We're actually building much more than that. And that's, I think, the picture you got to have in your mind more often, especially for a healthy growth mindset, um, is wow. Um, And we all do it, right? Where something just as we want to say, go south. And as it's happening, we're going, oh, this is, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Do I just stand here and wait for the dog, hopefully to figure out what I had in mind? Or do I put down an easy hide right here in front of them? Is it going to break them if it's like, just let's just get order and get out? Or do I stand there and let my dog kind of wait my dog out, right? Which is, you know, a challenge too. And I bet everybody on this call um, and enjoying the podcast has been in that situation, right? Because there's no well, way there's we can. Well, there's the other one too. Do you pull your dog? Yes. Do you just say this hide yes. didn't work? Exactly. And just don't you care? Like they didn't get the bunny that day. Doesn't mean they don't right. like bunnies. Right. And you don't even have to make it and you don't even have to make it punishing. Right. You could I mean, whatever positive punishment is or negative punishment, um, you don't even have to do that. You can always just praise. Wow, that was a fantastic search. The dog's not going to go away going, I didn't get anything. What do you mean? It was fantastic. Right. As long as we're praising and making keeping them positive. Yep. Put them up, get out a new hide, do something simple. And then. uh, Send the video. But really? <laughs> Send the video. Any, yeah. <laughs> How's that any different than trial? 
and you missed a hide and you didn't know you missed a hide. Your dog's right. still in that same odor. Maybe they were even working a little bit and right. you read it as they were done. Mm -hmm. So you call finish. Mm -hmm. How is that any different? You recall the hand, you call finish, yes. they get a reward or whatever yeah. connection and you leave the search. It's not any different. It's kind of the same thing. Um, and I think we as humans don't like to miss it. We said it, we should get it. Um, or well, a trainer has said it and you feel like you should get it. Right. And so sometimes it just doesn't work. And, and I think okay. that when it, and say, for instance, in a class, there's the peer pressure, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, you know, the dog that I felt didn't do well last class just rocked it and we're struggling a little bit. So then there's that peer pressure of what do I do? And I think a trial is a huge peer pressure because you've got, you know, your peeps watching you, right? <laughs> the judge who's maybe watched you, especially at the upper levels, who has seen you come up from NW, you know, ORT, NW1, NW2, and now you're in a blank search. You're staying in too long. You're pressing your dog into every object that's in there because you're convinced there has to be a hide, right? And so what do you do? And, you know, one of the things that I adapted most recently is trying to bring that growth mindset absolutely adapted into every search so that if I don't feel confident, don't, I'm not, I'm trying not to guess anymore, right? When I brought Digger up through, we had a whole thing of, oh, we got our one mistake. So let's just go for ribbons, call anything that looks good. Who cares, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it wasn't a good learning method for me. So this is new for me to say, oh, I've got a really big pooling and trapping problem in this search and we're not, Zeke is really struggling. Uh, maybe I should just call finish and leave. And I know I left hides, mm -hmm. but I'm letting the dog develop skill sets in the search rather than just getting the search. Yeah. I think we're so goal oriented that we miss out on the searching. Uh, Judith Guthrie had told me that when I was, just getting into elite and just starting detective. And I was kind of struggling with like, I, I was in the mindset of find every hide, find every hide, find right. every hide. And she could, and we were doing well, but then we would miss one in detective, like probably six in a row. Um, and granted, like detective was brand new. Judges were learning how to set things and there was a lot of learning curve going on. So probably I was in part of that, but still I was in that mindset. And she said, you have to learn to love the search. And that is, it was hard mm -hmm. because I'm like, I love searching, but I liked finding. And so it was mm -hmm. trying to switch the mindset mm -hmm. to be able to say, this search is really enjoyable. I love watching her work. Let's figure it out together. Let's put all the pieces together as a team. And once I started embracing that and loving that, it really changed how we could work and how we had a good time within the search because it wasn't about every hide. Now, elite is different than detective that way. You can miss a hide. You can have a little bit more freedom and enjoy that moment. But at the same time, detectives like NW3, you go in and you have to find them all. And it's hard to get out of that mindset at the beginning because there is a requirement to find them all. And so then it's so goal oriented that you don't often get to embrace that little bit of wiggle room. Like NW3, if you blow it in the first two searches, you know, you're not up for it. So it, it almost like it frees it open, especially ask for information. Oh my God, I love that rule change in NECSW because it allows you to take the rest of the day mm -hmm. to be able to enjoy it and have fun doing those things where you can be 
testing yourself. I've done it where I did FEO with George and asked for information. And so he was searching. I would call finish at that moment. Nothing's on the line. So I say, how many hides are left? And the judge says one, and I would have called finish. And it allows me to go, Mm -hmm. where have I not been? And it fixes me. It trains what maybe I was lacking as a handler, but then it gives him that extra little bit of time to sort out the problem and we find a hide and then we're done. And I can choose maybe when to call finish. I can choose all of those things in a trial setting, which is a love ask for information for that growth part of it, for that um, ability to have mental management through NW3, because it is so hard on you for that perfection. Um, And I think that's where a lot of people are struggling with AKC detective because there isn't that opportunity. You're done after you call something that's a no. And so then do you take the risk? And there's a lot of training problems then because then the dogs um, are either pushed into things or called out of things and not trusted. And we get a lot of problems there, but it's the sport. It's how that element is written. It's how the class is. And so you just kind of play with the rules that you've got. Yep. I like all of, all of that analogy. That was really good. And part of, I think too, of of the ask for information is you have to be willing to place last, right? Because I think that's part of the peer pressure that always kept me from doing it, which was, oh, you know, no, even if I don't title today, at least want to be up in the whatever, right? And when you ask for information, that's scored as a zero. It's scored as Mm -hmm. Can you even go negative with it? I can't remember. No, you're um, just done. Okay. Yeah. So you just get zero for that search, which means if no one else asked for information and they got some points, you yeah. could be last in that search. But it really is such a wonderful tool to use our competitions, not just as a complete test, but to use them as a measure. Because especially if you, and I think this group that is attending this podcast is unique and unusual. We do not have in-person classes that we are attending multiple times a week. There are places in, you know, most of California and even the front range of Denver that have certain, you know, when you get up into the upper levels, it's tough down in the front range, which is the Denver area, um, because they don't have that many instructors who are doing those levels. But it's, uh, it's really true where you, if you're going to be homeschooling and still trialing, you can either say the mom's mindset of I'm going to stay home and train until I have perfection, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to go out and trial. Or if you're going to trial, use your trial as part of your measure, right? Use it to measure the skill sets you have, look at those videos, and then um, adjust what you think you, you know, you need to or get opinions and resources from other people to help guide you build the skill sets that may be missing. So, yeah. Now there's another piece of it. And I think because Colorado, right, because of all the trial opportunities, it's not there. But in California, even in AKC, because of the number of people that are trying to get into every single trial, Mm. you're not getting in. So then the pressure is different on a trial. Because yes. you got in and there's a hundred people on the wait list. Well, it used to be that much. Now it's much less. It's gotten better. But the wait lists are so long. So now you go, I might not get into another trial. I was a full year. I did not get into an elite trial without yeah. going to Colorado. Right. Yep. And so for a full year, I couldn't compete. So then when I finally got into one, I just like, I'll call anything. I'll do anything. And it was my first no, I think in like maybe ever with Tana. And it was because the pressure was there because I didn't have that opportunity of another trial potentially. 
And so it changes how that stressor is because you just don't know when your next option is. And it's hard to let go then. And yeah, you know, you probably, you got, you know, you got to know, but you don't know how the rest of the day went, but you're pretty sure you missed a high because everybody's talking in the parking lot. Do you keep your brain together and just say they're wrong? I might have a leg. Or do you go, yeah, I saw that too. I think I missed that one. And you say, okay, cool. We're done for the day. I'm going to go play. Yeah, very, very test true. my skills or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's really hard, especially when you're not having that next opportunity to be able to compete. Well, and it may even be distance to travel, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're traveling considerable distance, you know, we like to think eight hours is easy, right? <laughs> right. It's that two day. To, uh-huh. It's the two days to get to a trial site. Pay for that gas. Pay for the motel room. Pay for the entry fee. Right now, you've spent. This is a pretty spendy hobby at this point. And then you get into that trial, and and you really just are so excited at the beginning of the day, and then the searches start to unfold, and things, the puzzle, you know, whatever that that puzzle was for that search at that moment was, you know, beyond maybe either your comprehension as a handler, whatever your dog was telling you, or wasn't within the skill set of the dog to be able to really give you clear communication of what was going on, either one. Um, So, and that brings up two points for me. One is FEO. Wow. Right. So almost all of your Colorado trials Um, you can do FEO, which is for exhibition only, for experience only, for entertainment only, whatever we want to call it, right? And in most cases, our our wait lists are short enough that you can get in. Granted, you're still spending that kind of money to come and train in a trial setting, kind of is what FEO um, offers, but it's a great, great offer. And we've got that. Arizona's got enough now too, enough room um, that most of the trials we can get FEO. I think there was only one on the wait list for the Tucson trial. So that opens it up because I know that wait list will clear, right? As yeah. we get closer to the trial and there's possibility of having FEO options. So those who are in lower levels, you can come up and you can play. I've played right. before. Um, if you're NW2, you're you're definitely at the level that you can play and kind of figure out the game. And it it makes it easier mentally then because you've been through the experience. Right. So then when you go for real, you go, okay, I've already done this once. It wasn't yes. for real necessarily, right? Right. We're playing the game, but it makes it feel a little bit less stressful. The well, first time I, in an NW3 or first time in elite, that's hard. Yes. And conversely, right? So you're struggling mm-hmm. at NW3. So maybe FEO because the... Even if it, so my trials, typically what we do is the highest level first and they kind of go in order on the second and third day. So even if your NW2 is on that Sunday, and quite frankly, if we only fill it halfway, you're going to be done half day. Mm-hmm. You could run your NW3 and then run your NW2 anyway as an FEO just to get that good vibe back, right, of whatever might have happened on your NW3 day. Um, because really the dog is learning so much about your teamwork under pressure um, at trial. And that's really, you know, everybody, we always have, you know, oh, it's there. I said that word again, avoid never and always. But how many times have we felt like in class, my dog does so much better in class or in training that I'm doing online Mm -hmm. um, than we do on trial day. Uh, Why? 
right? Well, part of, you know, we always say it's us, but it can also be a whole bunch of other things. For instance, 30 some other dogs that have left their odor in that search area. Um, typically, most of the places that we host trials at, uh, for I think across the nation, have top bottom airflow. So those are the buildings where all of your airflow, air conditioning or heat, are coming from a ceiling. So if it's coming from the ceiling intake and outtake, we have more swirling than we ever imagined. Now we're going to have pulling and trapping problems that are pretty unique to those facilities. Are we training in that same type of environment, right? So our dogs could find these puzzles the first time on trial day. So I find that kind of fascinating in another way that you can really utilize trial for training, right? Now, one of my favorite newest things, and it came from Alex using her GoPro almost religiously every time I saw her. Um, and I kept thinking, oh, I just don't have time to put that thing on me. I just don't have uh, the patience or the calm, quite frankly, going into any search to do one more thing. Now you want me to look down and make sure this thing is in an appropriate place and hit start, much less hit stop when I get done. But once I have figured out how to make that thing run, wow, total difference in my trial day. Um it's not that I look at it every time after every search, but if I really felt a little wonky and I watched the search that just happened, I'm not sharing it with anyone else. This is exclusive for my eyes only. I gained back the confidence that I thought I didn't have in my dog immediately. Yeah. As soon as I look at it, I go, oh, my dog totally knows what he's doing. Yippee, right? Instead uh, yeah. of what the heck just happened, right? <laughs> Yeah. It's a blank. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's bad, right? So, yeah, that GoPro, like, and I don't often even watch them, but I find that having that ability to go back and confirm my inner gut, because I find most people can read their dog. Most people can figure out, because you say, oh, I'm sorry, no, there was one more hide, or as a judge, or you say, um, whatever there was another hide over there right and so normally the competitor goes oh yeah i knew that mm -hmm. <laughs> because they they knew it they saw it mm -hmm. they just couldn't verbalize they just didn't mm -hmm. have the experience to understand what they were seeing but they had the right. gut feeling and that's what having that video immediately after can be like sitting in the car immediately after put the dog up the party happened go sit down watch it real quick and you're like nope my gut feeling is what i saw Right. And we'll see how it goes. Because right. it, like maybe the dog didn't go in the back corner and that's where the hide was. Right. And so then yep. you're just missing it because of that. But from what you saw in the moment is real. And you were what you saw is what you reacted to. Because you can only react to what you see. You can only react to where the dog goes. And yeah, maybe it's on us to cover the whole space, but sometimes hides disappear. And so did you do your job as a handler? And if you did and you watch that video and you can feel like, yeah, we had a good day. Everything that I saw, I recognize, I understand we're good. Right. It's not like what happened to me in summit in my last search. And I'm like, I saw the hide. I was humming and hawing. I didn't want to call it and I didn't call it. So now I'm killing myself for the rest of the year. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But the rest of the year, right? rest of the year, you just yeah. still haven't let go. I have let not. go of that. hide. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Oh, that hide. Uh -huh. But 
it, having video in that moment, I think, because I didn't turn it on the second day because I was feeling mm. like there's a lot going on. I didn't right. do it. I think if I had the video right in that moment, it's a better learning technique. And I haven't even been able to see the video yet because um, Lisa hasn't finished the video right. summit. Maybe they are now, Lydia saw her. So I have to go back and look at the folder. But seeing that search might really help me and my gut feeling so that I can understand it and call it better next time. Right. And that was my second point about the GoPro. So mm-hmm. even if you have a mindset on that day, oh my God, I don't want to look at it. That was mm-hmm. just like, I just need to put that on the shelf. Or I think we did so well. I don't want to look at it and find errors, right? Pick it apart. I don't need to watch it today. It is so amazing to have it the next day and you will have it before you have the the professional uh, video. Um, And the benefit is it's not also one or the other. I like both. Thanks everybody for listening to part one. Stay tuned and we will have part two available for you in just a moment. Thank you.